Let me turn you in our Bibles to John and chapter 10. John's Gospel, chapter 10. I will read from verse 7 to verse 18. Jesus is speaking in particular to scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. And he says to them, again, most assuredly, verse 7, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and we will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by them, my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, Because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Let's pray. O Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would take the things the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and bring them home with power to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you will be pleased to gather in any who are still lost without Christ and that you will comfort and strengthen those who are your sheep as we reflect upon our shepherd, our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. No less a man than John Calvin once commented that no plague is more destructive of the church of Jesus Christ than when savage wolves enter in and begin to create havoc among the flock and they end up scattered. You may remember the Apostle Paul when he visited Well, when he gathered, I should say, the Ephesian elders together, he warned them that savage wolves would come in among them and not spare the flock. It was no empty warning. It's not like the story, one of Aesop's fables. Remember the lad who cried, wolf, wolf, and everybody rushed out? No wolf. He was playing a game. This is not 
something then that is false. This is something to be well aware of. Calvin was well aware of the warnings that Christ gave in John chapter 10. He speaks there of, our Lord speaks of thieves, of robbers who come in to steal, kill and destroy the flock. He speaks of hirelings who don't care for the flock. The first sign of danger, they've gone. And the flock is left to the wolf. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters the flock. Sandwiched between these two warnings, we have verse 11. That is our text this morning, where Jesus Christ speaks one of his great I am statements and affirms, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Christ calls himself a good shepherd. He identifies himself here. It's a resounding declaration. He is totally unlike those who have gone before him and have failed the flock. There is something here in this verse that is not only interesting, it is appealing, it is pleasing when we hear of Christ in this way because we are hearing about his love, his care, his protection. We sung in our hymn, his watchful eye, I, sorry, I love my shepherd's voice, his watchful eyes shall see my wandering soul among the thousands of his sheep. He feeds his flock, he calls their names, and on his heart he bears his lambs. He's drawing us in and drawing us to himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd. And even if we've been an urban dweller all our lives, perhaps you've never seen a shepherd at work, but this has an instant appeal and an attraction. We are drawn to Christ. So let us consider, first of all, that he is the good shepherd. We've made the point already, he is distinguished, he's different from those who have proved to be false shepherds. Thieves, robbers, hirelings. And Jesus in his own pointed way is thinking of the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders of his day. He exposes them in other places as blind guides. They don't bring salvation. They shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. They make proselytes, he said, but they end up being twice as much sons of hell as you yourselves. That's a severe reprimand. These people are not looking after the sheep. The Old Testament is full of references to false shepherds, rulers, princes, priests, sometimes prophets. Do you remember King Ahab? He was one of the most wicked, well he was the most wicked king who ever sat upon the throne of Israel. And the prophet Micaiah told him plainly, I saw all Israel scattered scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. 
You turn to Jeremiah chapter 23, to Ezekiel chapter 34, and you find the same thing. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. That is God's complaint against these men. A great evil has been done when the sheep are left to themselves and exposed to the wolves and bears and lions. In Ezekiel, God complains, you shepherds, you feed yourselves. The weak of my flock, they're not strengthened. The sick are not healed. You've not bound up the broken. You've not brought back those driven away. You've not looked out for the lost. Force and cruelty you've used in order to rule them. And the Lord says in those days of the prophet, he will seek out his sheep and rescue them. He will feed them. He will seek what was lost. He will bring back those who are driven away. He will heal those and bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. And he goes on to say in Ezekiel, I will establish one shepherd over them. One shepherd. He shall feed them. He will be my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Now Ezekiel is speaking many years after David has been king. So he's not obviously referring to David, although he was a shepherd, and God took him from the sheepfold to be king and ruler over his people. He's speaking here of one who will come in David's line. And who is that? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd of the sheep. And here he declares himself to be so. He is the promised one of the Old Testament scriptures. You remember in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, quoted in Matthew's Gospel chapter 2 and verse 6, you Bethlehem, that's the city of David, you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you shall come one who is a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. That's why he is the good shepherd, because he'd been appointed He's been promised by God, his Father. He is the promised one who will rule over, care for, and protect the flock that belongs to, king, to, to, to God. He is their shepherd. He is their king. The shepherd idea is also one of rule and authority, care and protection. But he is good not only because he's been appointed by his father. He is good because he is unique. In verse 8 we read, All who ever came before me are thieves, robbers. The sheep did not hear them. He was referring to those condemned by the prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Micaiah. But he's also good not only because he's unique, he's good because he is perfect. He is absolutely faithful. This goodness applies to no one else except like Jesus Christ. He is unique among them. 
And there's something rich, something comforting, something so deeply reassuring and instructive. We're repelled by those who are cruel and heartless and don't care about people. You read sometimes, you see and hear stories about parents who are cruel and heartless towards their children. They beat them. Sometimes they even kill them. And you, you are repelled by that, and rightly so. My late friend, Pastor Ashiel Blaze, he was in a secondary school in Dominica, where he was born and brought up. And it was a Roman Catholic school. And he was brought up in the Roman Catholic Church. One day, he had some responsibility in the school, uh, and uh, he had to welcome this lady who came, a stranger. It turned out that she was a missionary from Canada. And she came to the school. She was a genuine Christian. And he began to talk to her. She began to talk to him and talk about the gospel to him. Suddenly, the local priest who was attached to the school appeared. And uh, Mr. Blaze stood back. It was not his place to carry on any further conversation. The priest had arrived. He had the measure of authority. But Mr. Blaze was totally appalled and disgusted and repelled by what the priest did. The priest spoke rudely to her and actually physically pushed her out. And uh, Ashiel Blaze said to himself, well, I'm not going to confession anymore. He needs to confess his sins. Why should I go and confess my sins to him? It's hypocrisy. He was repelled, though, by the harshness, by the cruelty of the priest. And it's that kind of thing that Jesus is talking about here. Here is Jehovah Jesus. The Lord Jesus, the good shepherd. That's how he identifies himself. And it's not just a name he gives himself. He says he is good, the good shepherd, but he is good. And there is no one like him. There is no sin in him, no cruelty, no hatred, no malice, no neglect of the flock. He is concerned to remember how his heart went out to the crowd. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He really cares for his sheep. He bears with our weaknesses. He bears with our failings. He seeks us when we wander away from him. He binds up our wounds. And he will not cast us off because we are wayward and erring and sick and foot-weary and lame. When we feel tired and weary and we feel perplexed and troubled. He is the first one who hears our cries and reacts and responds. You remember Zacchaeus. Boys and girls, young people, you know the story of Zacchaeus. That little fellow went up the tree so he could see Jesus. He didn't have a leg to stand on before the scribes and the Pharisees. 
because he was a tax collector. He was scum, rejected. No time for him. And what did Jesus say? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the shepherd going after the lost sheep. He is the good shepherd. But then let's look secondly at the chief characteristic of his care. What does he say here in verse 11? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That is ultimately why he is the good shepherd. You see all of his goodness as he gives his life for the sheep. Thieves, robbers, they don't care. The hireling doesn't care. He runs for his own safety. But here is one who shows us all his goodness. He gives his life for the sheep. And in case we've missed the emphasis, it's repeated again in verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And again in verse 17, therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. And verse 18, for a fourth time, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. I lay down my life. I give my life for the sheep. What is he referring to? Well, I think nearly every one of us would say he's referring to his own death on the cross, the shedding of his blood. That is where we see he has given his life. It may well be an allusion to Isaiah chapter 53, which describes graphically the suffering servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He poured out his soul, says Isaiah, unto death. He poured out his soul. He shed his blood to atone for our sins. And again, there is rich instruction and consolation and comfort for us here. Something that draws us to Christ to realize that we are totally dependent upon this good shepherd. And this good shepherd has given his life for his sheep. Here is his care. Here is the way in which he secures your salvation and my salvation. It is through the shedding of his blood on the cross at Calvary, the atoning of our sin, the bearing of the wrath of God, and he gives his life. There's an exchange that takes place. He gives himself for us who are sinners, lost sheep. And you see that it is something quite deliberate on his part it was his intention all along he planned a purpose to do this not an accident even those who condemned and crucified him they were not the ones who eventually in in, in the real sense took away his life not Pilate not the soldiers not even Judas who betrayed him not the mob who were howling for his blood he says, no one takes it 
from me. My life, no one, no one robs me of my life. I lay it down. It's deliberate. I have power. I have authority to lay it down. Authority from the Father. But here is the goodness of the shepherd. Again, you see, he is deliberate on his part in laying down his life. And closely related to this, it was voluntary. I lay it down of myself, he says in verse 18. It was my choice. It was my decision. What is stressed here is that his sacrifice on the cross for us sinners was an act of his own free will. He voluntarily paid the debt that you and I owe. He bore the cursed death of the cross to redeem us from sin and from hell. But it's not only deliberate, not only voluntary, it was out of his great love. Elsewhere in John 15, verse 13, he says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And the Apostle John, reflecting many years after this, in his first letter, 1 John 3, 16, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And he adds there, we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Here is something deliberate, something voluntary, done in sheer love. Who can measure the grievous sorrows, the sufferings of his soul, and the physical pain that he endured on the cross? He did it out of love. Love for his sheep. He's giving his life for his sheep. And he did this when you and I were fast bound in sin and nature's night. We were wretched. We were lost. We were guilty. Here is the unsurpassed love of Jesus Christ for us. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for us. Yes, it was deliberate, it was voluntary, it was out of great love, but it was also out of obedience to his Father. The Father is key in the plan of salvation. Christ's death will secure the forgiveness of sins and give us eternal life. But he says in verse 15, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, My Father loves me therefore, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. And again in verse 18, This command at the end of the verse, I have received from my Father. When Jesus Christ came into the world, he came to save his people from their sins. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And here he does this. He declares quite clearly, this is a command that I received from my Father. He so loves his Father that he must obey the will of his Father. And it is the will of his Father that he comes and saves 
the sheep that belong to him. Here then are the chief characteristics of this good shepherd. And the main thing is, he lays down his life for his sheep. He secures the salvation of his sheep. He gives them eternal life. That's the only hope you have. This is the only shepherd there is who can do such things. He's not like the thieves. He's not like the robbers. He's not like the hirelings. You can rely upon him absolutely and completely. This salvation is secured only by the good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep, shedding his precious blood. How costly that was. His sacrifice, his atoning death. That is why all of the Gospels, you know how they end. They end with his sufferings and his death on the cross, his burial and then his resurrection from the dead. That death on the cross met all the demands of divine justice, the punishment that you and I deserved. He was made sin for us. He was made a curse for us and secured pardon, peace, salvation, full and free. He opened heaven to us. And above all, he's reconciled us to our Father in heaven and reconciled God to us all because he is the good shepherd appointed to that office for us. But he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Well, who are the sheep? That's a crucial question. And this evening we'll look at it in far more detail. <laughs> he says in verse 11, I lay down my life for the sheep. That is, on behalf of the sheep. In the place of the sheep. Instead of the sheep. In the interests of, for the benefit of the sheep. And you see what flows then from Christ's death on the cross. But who are they? The question you have to ask yourself is, well, am I one of these sheep? Do I belong to Christ? Am I one for whom he has died? Am I one who has eternal life? Am I a true sheep of Christ? You see, the fact is, we are in mortal danger. Because naturally speaking, none of us are sheep. We don't follow Christ. We've gone astray. We've gone our own way. That's what Isaiah says in chapter 53 and 6, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And if you have ever seen a sheep that is separated from the flock, or a lamb that is separated from, the, from its mother, that sheep is in grave danger. They're going to be lost 
They may be run over. They may be stolen by somebody. They may die because they're exhausted and they cannot find anything to eat or drink. But a lost sheep, a sheep who belongs to Christ, has been found by Christ, was once so lost, we were far away from Christ, far away from God. We were in mortal danger. And there may be some of you sitting here this morning who are not yet in Christ. You cannot say with certainty, perhaps, that I know that I am a sheep that belongs to Christ, and Christ is my shepherd. But if you are not in Christ, you are in grave mortal danger. You are lost. And yet you're hearing about the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. But you're going to hear these things a hundred times over and still not be one of the sheep of Christ. Why? Because until you realize your great danger, you will not go to Christ. Again, the prophet Isaiah says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Have you seen your sin, your iniquities, your transgressions, that they're against God? They keep you away from God. The sin that you commit are the things that bring you down, are the things that will bring you under the judgment of God. They are the things that separate you from God. They are the things that would prevent you from coming to this Christ. But here is Christ the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And that is what the sheep see. They see, one, they are in mortal danger. Two, that Christ is the one who alone can save them. They are the true sheep of Christ. Because they cast themselves as lost and guilty sinners upon this Saviour. Are you a true sheep of Christ? Are you one for whom he has died? Are you that one who he sought out when you were lost? Have you cried out to him for his salvation? Trusted in him? Entrusted yourself to him as a lost sheep to the good shepherd? Have you come? If not, why haven't you come? Tell me, where is there a better saviour, a better shepherd? Do you know someone who's a better shepherd than Jesus Christ? Do you know someone who's willing to lay down his life for you? That your sins might be forgiven? That you might be clean and be able to appear then before God and take your place ultimately in heaven? The sheep of Christ are those who believe upon Christ. They trust in Christ. They come to Christ and cast themselves as lost sheep upon the good shepherd. I tremble to think that I and others who preach the word of Christ to you may set before you in vain what you hear about the Good Shepherd. 
My desire is that you would come to know him and to love him and trust in him alone. You do not want to be found in the day of judgment on the left hand of Christ when he separates the sheep and the goats. You do not want to hear those terrible words, depart from me, I never knew you. I'm setting before you the good shepherd. Will you not come to him? Will you not cast yourself upon him and be safe and secure within the fold of God? There are a good number of you here today who know this good shepherd. You've heard his voice. You follow him. You believe in him. And your testimony is that he is the one who takes care of you. He protects you. How many times has he bound up your wounds? How many times has he healed you when you've been spiritually sick? How many times has he gone after you when you've wandered away from the fold of God? When you've gone cold and dull in your heart? Is he cruel when you cry out to him? Oh, no. Oh, no. Satan might whisper in your ear, he won't have you back. But he is the good shepherd. He cares for all the flock, the weak, the sick, the wounded, the wandering. He loves them. He gave his life for you. There was a time when you did not love the voice of Christ your shepherd. You wandered far away. Perhaps you fought and struggled, resisting to come. And then finally you came. And what relief and comfort for your soul. Jesus is that good shepherd. He is the one who's laid down his life for his sheep. We'll consider in more detail what he says in verses 28 and 29 later this evening. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. That's the voice of the Good Shepherd. No one can snatch them out of my hand. What a comfort. What a consolation to us when we are perplexed and troubled and downcast. We belong to Christ and we will never be separated from him and from his love. Amen.